You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. As we enter Advent, we continue in our meditations on the end times, which began a few weeks ago. And not last week for Feast of Christ the King, but the week before, I preached on a few end times themes, you could say. They were, for those of you who weren't perhaps there because I preached them at the 5, 15, and 10, that first we don't comprehend the magnitude of sin uh, and what it does to our soul. Second, that we don't pay attention to what it is Jesus judges us for. Uh, the, what, what, what sort of things are we going to be judged for? And then the third thing that we mistake what heaven is and what hell is, that we have a misconception of those two things. Uh, I'm not going to preach on those things again uh, because I already did. So today I want to move on to a different, uh, a few different themes concerning the end times. First, I want to talk about fear of the Lord, which is something we don't like talking about very much today, uh, and it's to our detriment that we don't. Next, something that kind of flows out from fear of the Lord, which is struggles with presumption and struggles with scrupulosity, which are kind of the two things that, that are the result of that, that growing, that slow growth in fear of the Lord. And then finally, uh, <clears throat> what will the end times look like? What will the final judgment actually be like? Our gospel passage today is often cited in those who talk about the rapture. Uh, and there's plenty of movies and, and books written on the rapture. Is that something that's viable? Is that a viable theory? Uh, short answer, no. The rapture's not. But there's a lot of different theories on what the end times is going to look like. Is it going to be brutal or is it going to be joyful? Is it going to be a time of peace or is it going to be a time of chaos and war and great suffering? Uh, We'll see. There's a lot of clues in the scriptures. Uh, when's it going to be? We don't know. That's the short answer on that one. So first, in, in talking about the final judgment, we have to face our fear. Our fear of death, our fear of God. Not only must we face it, we actually have to grow in it. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's a, it's a virtue and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. But not fear in the way we think of it. How, how, how could fear be at the root of something good when the Lord says more than anything else in the scriptures, be not afraid? He says that more than anything else. And John tells us perfect love casts out fear. So what, what are we talking about when we talk about fear of the Lord? And how is it a gift? I don't want to get too academic, but I do want to push into this a bit. <clears throat> when we first enter into our spiritual life, we are going to be afraid of God. That just is the way it is. It's not that those first sort of feelings of fear, they're not good in the sense that they're not a virtue, but they are just going to be there. They're the result of repentance and of, of this realization of sin. So when we recognize our sin, we recognize that it ought to be punished and that God is the arbiter of punishment. And so we're going to be afraid of God. 
That's a scary thing. Should we be afraid of God? No, we should not. God is perfectly good. Therefore, it's unreasonable to be afraid of him. But we are. We are because on some level, we all still love the world more than we love God, at least in certain areas. And we all still love certain sins more than we love the good, which is the only reason why we commit them. We wouldn't commit them if we didn't. Uh, it's hard to recognize that in ourselves, but it's just part of who it's part of who we are. We're on a journey to the Lord. We're not all the way there yet. And so we we in those things we realize we realize that God, if He loves us, wants us to stop those things. And if He wants us to stop them, He's going to do something about it. And that thing is going to lead to pain and suffering. That's just the way that it is. Uh, and, and that brings a certain fear into our hearts. We know that this journey is going to be difficult and painful, and so we're afraid of God. But eventually, as we grow to love and know the Lord more and more, and if we allow it, God will move our hearts. And perhaps you're somewhere on this road where we, we, our fear starts to be less and less of God himself and more and more of losing the Lord. So it's less about fearing God as this arbiter of punishment and more about fearing falling into sin, hurting the Lord who loves us more than anything else. And fear of the Lord is the driving force behind hope. So it's a really it's a really interesting thing. Okay, so this feeling of a healthy fear of the Lord. Have you ever had a dream where in that dream you murdered someone or you uh, committed adultery or you did something terrible, just something horrible in this dream, and you wake up and for a moment you think the dream was true? You actually just wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And then you realize shortly thereafter that it was a dream. Now, in that moment when you woke up, what was the immediate feeling? It was probably a terrible sense of fear. Because you've just done something that has destroyed a relationship, hurt very deeply someone that you love, maybe destroyed your whole future, and you actually thought you did it. You didn't actually do that. Uh, don't worry about dreams like that. They don't mean anything. But the, that fear is analogous to the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of separating yourself from someone that you love more than anyone else in this world. And, it's, and in the case of fear of the Lord, it's God. We call this a gift because it's the perfection of hope. So hope is the thing that drives us on to heaven. It's the thing that actually gives us this idea that heaven is possible. That's the theological virtue of hope. The object of our hope is heaven, but we know that heaven is impossible. How would we ever have any hope of getting to heaven? We can't get there ourselves. It's impossible for us. God has to basically bring us there. And yet we know that we're called to be there because the Lord tells us he wants us to go there. And so we have hope. And fear of the Lord is the energy that perfects that hope. So listen to Paul. I mean, Paul and the gospel are very similar today. Paul's trying to sort of do what the Lord does in the gospel, which is wake us up to this hope and get us to sort of order our life accordingly. He says, throw off the works of darkness. 
Put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly as in day, not in orgies or drunkenness and promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry or jealousy. So he's saying, live your life as though it's day, not as though it's darkness. We're done with the age of darkness. So wake up, stop acting like slaves, and start acting like sons and daughters. So when we, when we do this, when, when, when our lives begin to kind of take shape, that's when two new struggles arise. And they're good struggles, uh, but we're all going to fall into one or the other. Uh, one is presumption and the other is scrupulosity. Uh, and it, it, I'd say in the church today, we're in this weird place. So every age kind of has its, its uh, struggle. And in today's church, we're, we're, we struggle more probably with presumption than we do with scrupulosity. Because I'd say back before the Second Vatican Council, we struggled more with scrupulosity than with presumption. And so the pendulum just naturally swings. And it's swung to, the, to presumption in our age. Because we've had to hear for the last 50 years, God loves you. Do you actually believe that? God loves you. It's true. Uh, now, that is very true. But when we hear that without, without the sense of, of sin or any sort of understanding of that, then we get this idea that nothing we can do can offend the Lord. And that actually doesn't give us an idea that God loves us. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't give us the sense that God actually loves us. Because if God doesn't care about our sin, that means he's just sort of indifferent. It is precisely in making himself vulnerable to us, making it possible for him to be offended or hurt by our actions that God shows that he loves us. That is at the, at the very core of his ability to love us. He, that he has made himself vulnerable to our sin. Our sin matters because he loves us. And, and that's a hard thing for us to understand. When we realize it, our spiritual life comes alive. But then suddenly, the temptation is for that pendulum to swing back to the other side. And then we're like, then, then we get this sense that we're always offending the Lord. That, and what scrupulosity is, the best description I've ever heard of it, is that it's confusing temptation with sin. So we get, this, we get this idea that when we've been tempted, that when we've faced a temptation, that we have sinned. And that, that can be very difficult to distinguish. Have I given in at all to this temptation? Uh, and that is the fast road to despondency and despair. And the pendulum swings yet again. So how can we stop this sort of vicious swing from presuming God's love to being totally terrified that God no longer loves us because we've offended him? On this, I'm a broken record. Both With both what we call shorthand sloths and scroops. Uh, <laughs> I've been in both camps. Uh, so we both treat God like a bad father. For, for those who struggle with sloth or, or uh, presumption, he's an indifferent dad who just lets his kids do whatever they want because he doesn't care. And for Scroops, he's a harsh dad who is looking for a reason to crack down. And God is neither of those. So when we see either of those entering in to our heart or our mind, we reject it. And the only way forward 
is to actually come to know him personally. Stop treating him like some distant father, one or the other, and actually enter into that relationship. So finally, what does the end times look like? For this, we're going to have to wait till next week because I've talked for too long. So next, next week, when we do our final meditation on the last, last judgment, the end of times, we'll look at what that actually means, uh, what that actually is going to look like, uh, what, what's that time going to look like for us individually and for us as a whole. But for now, we wonder and we meditate as we enter into this season on a fruitful fear, a fear of losing the ones that we love, a fear of separating ourselves from our Heavenly Father. He will never separate himself from us. Only we can walk away, and we don't want to. And so we begin to act uh, in this season more and more like the sons and daughters that we are, the sons and daughters of a Father who loves us, desires eternal life for us.